That's been like the biggest goal of mine since I've started this business so I could be with my kids. And my oldest kid is six years old and he's, I've never been part-time throughout his whole life. And it was because I wasn't putting the people in the right places. I wasn't putting people on the bus with me. And having that kind of realization, and then obviously it was growing as at a point in my business where financially I was a little bit more secure. Every time I hired, I held my breath. It felt like a huge risk. I just hired one more person at the beginning of January. Huge risk, but I've gotten smarter. I'm like, okay, how do we make this? How do we make their salary? We take on another revenue stream. We have to increase affiliate revenue by 15% month over month in order to pay for you. I have to bring on one more brand sponsor. You're going to manage that. So it takes the work off my plate, but yet we're bringing in more revenue. And my person I hired in January has already paid for themselves. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney McGuire. Here on the show are all about products and people who make an impact, interviewing very successful founders, entrepreneurs, VCs, tech leaders, wellness experts, Anyone with the common thread of building a business empire that makes a positive impact in the world. Today on the show, we have Lindsay Baumgren. She is the CEO of NourishMoveLove.com. She has a very fascinating business model, very successful, huge platform on social media. They actually don't charge for any of their content, but she's doing over 35K a month in revenue, uh, ad revenue and another 15K a month through YouTube alone. She's encroaching the seven-figure business mark. And one of the things that really stood out from our conversation is in the beginning of the episode, she's like, man, I'm so glad we get to do this because most people think I'm just a bubbly fitness face. Her content's all about helping women maintain the physique that they're looking for. And she is fantastic at it, but most people don't see all the business knowledge behind the scenes that has allowed her to scale to where she's at today. So in this episode, we talk about SEO, we talk about YouTube strategy, content batching, everything that she's doing to grow and scale nourishmovelove.com, tons of tangible tips that you can take from this episode, deploy in your own businesses to see similar growth. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Lindsay. All right, Lindsay, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great. So for the audience, we love to touch on all things health, wellness, technology, entrepreneurship. Really the through line is inspiring people and supporting people as they build mission-driven businesses. And you have a really phenomenal platform. You've built this really great following, really inspiring people on their health journey. Lindsay, I'd love for you to just share at a high level. What is your business all about? What are you inspired by? What's your mission? Yeah, absolutely. My business is nourishmovelove.com and it's an online health and fitness site. Basically, in short, I film free at-home workouts for busy women. And so the business has evolved with me throughout my life cycle. I started in 2015 before I had any kids. I was newly married. And so I was doing high intensity, a lot of HIIT workouts, a lot of strength training at home. And that kind of evolved. I had my first pregnancy. And then I had my second pregnancy. So we filmed prenatal workouts. Then I had my third pregnancy. I have three babies now. So it followed me through basically my prenatal and postpartum journeys as well. So we started creating pregnancy workouts, postpartum workouts, and basically just strength training for women at home. The differentiator or things that set us apart in that space is from the business side, a lot of people that create at-home workouts are either on an app or they're selling some type of program or they're doing like YouTube content where they're putting out videos every day. We took the food blogger model and applied it to this space. So all my content is 100% free. Everyone's question is always, how do you make money? 
And so we monetize with the ads on our site. So we're very SEO driven as a business. It's all about trying to find what people, what women are typing into Google. And we want to populate on that first page. So they see our content first. And then now we also capitalize on YouTube, but that's our secondary revenue stream. So we are very much Google first, search engine first is our business model, I guess is what sets us apart. And all of our content is free. I've always as a mission, I always want to make content free and accessible for women, especially as you go through the cycles of motherhood. It can be very lonely. A lot of people find us because they're searching for a prenatal workout or postpartum. Basically, it was like the type A mom who was going to the gym, loving studio classes. They get pregnant. They start looking, oh, how do I modify these workouts? They start doing some more at-home workouts that stuff gets uncomfortable for them at the gym. They have a baby. You realize how much of a luxury it is to actually go take a class. You start working out at home a lot more. But that postpartum period especially can be super isolating. You're at home. You don't have that connection with your work colleagues or your friend colleagues anymore. And your body just, you're like this whole new body and you don't even know how to work out anymore or feel like yourself. So that's really like where we start pouring into women, coming into their homes through a screen, helping them through that kind of isolated time. And a really big passion of mine, just connecting with women around the world and helping them feel strong and healthy because fitness makes me a better wife, a better mom, and just a better person. And I really, truly want to share that with others. So that's really the foundation of it. I don't film workouts to help give you like six-pack abs or a firm butt, but really we're here to just help women feel strong because motherhood especially requires a lot of strength, both physically and mentally. And that's our mission is to provide free at-home workouts for women all across the world. And so that's our my business in a nutshell. I love that. That is putting a big smile on my face. One, just your energy and excitement around it. You can tell how authentic and genuinely lit up you are by it. And it feels like by following genuinely what was most resonant for you and, and finding a personal, whether it's a pain point or an opportunity to really serve others, it feels like you found like a really authentic niche to serve. And it's like very clear who you're targeting. I'd have to imagine that really helps people feel genuinely connected and attracted to your brand. It's like a lot of staying power with your audience. Yeah, we try to stay true to who we are. And a lot of it was even at, I was an athlete my whole life and working out and I struggled to find prenatal workouts that challenged me. It was all like, lift your leg, breathe. And I was like, what about me over here who was like already lifting all these 20 pound dumbbells? Now I'm pregnant. That doesn't make me disabled. I just might have to modify some things. So we really found our niche in creating at-home workouts for athletes, women who want to feel strong and athletic, who want to challenge themselves throughout pregnancy and then learn how to rebuild that strength after postpartum in a safe way at home without having to pay a personal trainer or have a personal trainer. So yeah, we found our niche in that motherhood space. We really capitalized an SEO space from an entrepreneurial perspective on those keywords. So if you type in pregnancy workout plan or postpartum workout plan, we'll show up in the first one to three search results. So those are really heavy hitters for us and continue to help us monetize our business mm, as well. I love that. I'm really grateful you brought it. Like I didn't even have to tease it out of here or pull it out of you. What I love to be for our audience on the show is really understand, okay, what is your model? What are you excited about? What value are you creating? And then understanding what are some of those tools or levers you pulled on to find the success you'd have. So before I ask you maybe some more tactical questions around the strategies you've applied, I was actually just curious, when did you decide to start this business? Was it a passion, just like a passion project for a little while? And where was the point where it went from, okay, this is like interesting, maybe it's challenging. And then like, when did it really inflection point? Was there a certain thing you started deploying? Was it the SEO? I'd love to hear, especially for our listeners who are maybe in the earlier stages of their business, see what they can pull from that early part of your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started my business in 2015. So I'm about eight years deep into it. 
And it's definitely changed and evolved along the way and been a huge learning curve. When I first set out, so prior to this, I did medical sales. And I knew I wanted to start my own business. I had a love for health and fitness. I just really found my jam in the group fitness space. And trying the personal training thing wasn't for me. I was an athlete my whole life. Like I said, I love the sales aspect. I was really motivated by my performance equals like my payout, like my work ethic equaled this. And I knew I was always a hard worker, but I had some desk jobs where I was always just making the same as the people next to me. And I knew I was outworking them. And so I knew I always wanted to do my own thing. And then I just found this love for group fitness. Like I taught these 5 a.m. classes outside of my sales job. Everybody showed up. They were there to have a good time. No one was like an hour. No one's on their phone. Total focus. Everyone's just there to be better, to have fun, crank some music. Like it just loved that environment. And I love that space. And but I could only physically teach so many group fitness classes a day. Um, and I wanted to make it more accessible to other people. And so that's like where my love came in. And then I was like, how do I monetize this and make this a business? And so taking it to the online space, I originally, when I started my business in 2015, set aside, I'd been setting aside my commission for two years. So I had something to start my business with. And then I got married in 2015 with like, I'm getting on your health insurance. Let's do this thing. And so, um, but when I started this will date me, I actually filmed workout DVDs as like the initial launch of my business. (laughs) So we were, they were streaming, but people were still asking for DVDs at that time. So we filmed DVDs and I was going to sell them. And I happened to set my website up in the blog format, like people were doing in that space at that time. And I had sold a couple of programs. It was great. I'm still glad I started that way because it allowed me to approach some people with some like actual leverage. Look at this. I have this program I filmed and put together. So I showed up professionally, but I had no idea what I was doing and wasn't going to make a living off of selling these workout DVDs. So I really was doing a hodgepodge of things at the time. I was freelance writing for other people. I specifically started freelance writing for food bloggers in the sense of they'd be like, hey, we're going to do a meal plan or do something, but we actually have, I should probably have some workouts to go with it. So I found these food bloggers that also were passionate about health and fitness and wanted to share, share workouts. And I started writing their workouts and writing workout programs for them. And then I learned, oh, look at what these food bloggers are doing. They're just sharing recipes for free and they're monetizing off the ads on their website and driving this traffic to their site. And I was like, I could do that for workouts. And so that's how I started. Okay, I really got in with these food bloggers, followed what they were doing was freelancing for them. I'm like a fit model for Target. I was like the perfect size medium. I was meal prepping for people, personal training people, you name it. I was modeling cat bracelets at 2 a.m. on Shop HQ. Like I was doing all these odd jobs just to make ends meet. So it was definitely no easy like overnight success story by any means. So I was doing whatever I had to do to bring in a financial income to continue to pursue what I wanted to do. But I really started to learn that if I could look back and tell people sooner, if you want to thrive in this space, SEO is so important. And people are now AI is coming around and people are like, that's going to kick SEO. I still do not think so. Like all the research I've done, everything, maybe AI will have a 7% decrease in my traffic, but we're developing an AI chatbot so that when ChatGPT gets like, what's the best prenatal workout? My chatbot chats then. So things are evolving and changing, but we're still going to keep up and SEO is still going to be super important in my opinion anyways, I guess I should say, but I hope so. (laughs) But that's the thing about being in the online space is we have multiple revenue streams. So we diversified our income in so many ways. So that's really important. But I wish I would have known SEO sooner because that's been a game changer for my business. Once I started realizing like I was willy nilly titling stuff and we just happened to rank for seven best strength training exercises for women and people that just started driving a ton of traffic to my site. And I was like, this is awesome. I need to learn how to do this for other content I'm creating. So 
I've really learned a ton as we've grown and gone along the way. But like I said, to break it down, we have a diverse revenue stream. So right now, our number one revenue stream is ad revenue that comes from the eyeballs we drive to our website. So we're driving about 38% of our, our traffic comes from Google search. Another 26% of about is direct traffic. We're driving through email marketing, through social media, Google web stories. We have YouTube. So Google traffic is like our bread and butter driving eyeballs, website ad revenue. And then we have our YouTube income. And then we just launched in March YouTube memberships. So you can also be a paid member and get more. That was our first ever paid offer. Otherwise, our content is 100% free. Then we have brand partnerships and sponsorships and affiliate marketing are like the buckets that we fall into for revenue. Awesome. I literally have never had a guest break you down that to sweet place. So I appreciate you doing that. I think it's like a perfect high level description that we can then like dive into some of these different areas. And actually, I wanted to jump in, but I totally agree with you on your take on AI and SEO. It's, because it's interesting where people think about, oh, I'm just going to go to this thing for all my data. Where does ChatGPT get its data? It gets its data from scraping the web. And people are upset that if you use the 3.5 GPT, it's outdated or it stops its training in 2021. And they're one of the latest data from the internet. So truly, if you're doubling down on SEO creation and building your web platform, you're going to be the first that's eventually getting spit out, even if all the traffic is coming through on that front end. It's just it's basically just a different way to search the internet and you still want to be a high ranker. Absolutely. 100%. I love that. I honestly would love to just get really nerdy and explore your SEO strategy a little bit. So you named a few keywords that you're ranking highly for. Did you choose those intentionally? And if so, how did you choose them? Yeah. So when I first started my business, I was filming content I wanted to film, right? It was just like, we we're showing up, we're shooting workouts and we're still filming content I want to film, but now we do it much more strategically. So every time we show up to a video shoot, I have a it's like 39 page document outlining everything we're going to shoot. So before we even show up to shoot, we know what that workout's going to be titled on our blog, what it's going to be titled on YouTube. We know what the thumbnail is going to look like. We know exactly what keywords we're looking for on YouTube as well as for Google. So Google owns YouTube and yes, they're the same, but they're also different. So we, the way we title things is different on YouTube and it's different on Google and it's how we present it to our audience. That said, we film content. So every shoot is about, we're filming two workouts that are specifically for Google, heavy hitter keywords for Google. And then we're usually filming two workouts that are more for our audience, but we're trying to find keywords within those. So it's like our audience loves a good full body, sweaty pyramid workout. But within that, we're trying to find, is it the seven best strength training exercises for women that we can title that to Google so that Google picks it up differently and than our audience does. We've really found heavy hitters on Google. For us, it's like the X best exercises for women is where we really thrive. Because if you type in best chest exercises, you're typically going to see a big built man and it's typically going to be a gym workout. And they're going to be like five. It's going to be like bench press and, and cable press. And so we've showed up in that space five best chest exercises for women with all dumbbells, stuff you can do at home, women, women seeing other women. So then women are attracted to it. But we've really found our niche in strength training for women, X best exercises. And then we try and compete with some random keywords that we'll find Google Trends for, like inner thigh exercises. We just filmed a quad burnout, X best quad exercises. So it's five best quad exercises. We actually just had a post that did really well for us and went viral was a daily ab workout. 
And so finding trends within YouTube and finding trends that are happening on, online. There was a while where TikTok blew up with this three to eight challenge. It was three strength workouts, two Pilates workouts, and 8,000 steps a day. And so we knew this blew up on TikTok. So we knew people were going to start searching it. What is the three to eight challenge? So we created a two-week three to eight workout plan in, in the FAQs. What is a three to eight challenge? And so we started populating for that because people started searching it because it blew up on TikTok. So we try to jump on some trends and then there's some just like keywords that we're just trying to hang out in. So we use a tool called SEMrush, SEMrush, that we pay like a hundred bucks a month for. And that allows us to do our own keyword research. When we initially were learning about SEO, I hired it out. We had a, con a contractor come in, do an audit of our site. And that's something we might do again in 2024. Every couple of years, I might hire that out and bring in a contractor to just have an objective third party look at things. But then we took it in house and we pay for this tool, SEMrush, allows us to do competitive research to see. We try and find our sweet spot in keywords that are being searched around a search volume of 5,000 5, searches a month. And then there's the keyword difficulty. So there's a keyword difficulty. You don't want to add workouts has a keyword difficulty of 80. That's really tough. We're competing with a lot of sites. So not only are we looking at the keyword difficulty, we're trying to target under 70. That's just the sweet spot we've found. But we're also, then we'll go and just type that into Google. So for example, daily ad workout, we'll type that into Google. Who is currently ranking? Was it CNN.com and Women's Health? And people that have a higher domain authority than us, that might be really tough to beat them out. But we've definitely beat out women's health and we've beat them out. So that's not to say you can't, but we'll look at who's ranking for those search terms. And if there's not a lot of like high ranking sites with really great domain authority, we're like, we could definitely capitalize on a keyword. We can take it out. We're also looking at published dates. When's the last time women's health published the five best leg exercises? They just published it last month and it's ranking number one. If they publish it in 2021, great. That's an area of opportunity for us because Google's looking for that new fresh content. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. And I know I'm probably getting way more complex, especially if you're just starting out. SEO is like really, there's just so much to learn, but we've definitely had our hand in learning a ton. And it's always fun to talk to somebody and like nerd out about this because I have learned so much. And people, I think, just see me as some bubbly fitness instructor <laughs> who's just, I'm here to find workouts today. And it's, I have a very strategic business brain behind all this as well. So I always yeah. like no, I love that. Loving this conversation as well. Cause I think for myself, even if I look back on my entrepreneurial journey, I was definitely what you feel like people might perceive you as. That's how much of my early entrepreneurial journey was. Like I'm passionate about these things. I want to communicate them, but I run from a place of passion. I want to tell Delaney's story and these things. So I didn't understand those fundamentals. And if I could go back and talk to myself, a lot of entrepreneurs probably would, but truly take the time to learn the skills, understand the game. And you can progress so much faster. And like you said, you can still create the content that you're excited about that is authentic to you. But it's, if you just pivot yourself 2%, you're going to go in a completely different direction. And it's just, yeah. so, and I really think like going deep and having, because even if people probably 10 out of every 20, like 10 out of every 12 podcasts on this topic, they're not really going deeper. So the fact that we're actually, it would have actually asked you some of these deeper questions as well. How do you think about that? Because it's, I mean, it's also more accessible when you share it or someone's mouth. Less scary rather than trying to read blog posts that is like 20 pages long at the top of the SEO. And the thing that's so cool about it is you don't have to pay $100 a month to have this this tool. Like literally you can just do those couple of things. It's like you can type this into Google. You can see who's ranking for it. See when the published dates are. Like these are all free things that you can do. 
when you're just starting out. And if I would have known that when I was publishing content back in 2015, it just would have been such a game changer for me. There's free tools out there, keywords everywhere you can use. There's much more affordable tools too. We've just finally grown in our business where we're able to do these things. But there's a lot of free resources out there to learn SEO that you can certainly capitalize on too. Yeah, I love that. We, so I run a company called NoTalks. It's like a mobile app that helps people remove toxins from their home environment. And we just started doing SEO and we used Moz to yeah. start doing yeah. some of that. And like for anyone listening, Moz has a 30 day free trial where you have full access to the platform, free force on how to use it. And honestly, after 30 days, we got so much value out of it. They're like, cool, I understand what we're doing here. And we can just SOP it and start doing the thing. Yeah. And we use Moz to check our domain authority and see where we're ranking and making sure that we're hanging up there. And yeah, Love that. a lot of tools out there you can do. Unfortunately, I mean, I did have a little like little nudge. COVID really increased the search for at-home workouts. So COVID was a huge blessing to my business. And I always feel really guilty saying that because I know that was not the case for everybody. But fortunately, the search for at-home workouts really did skyrocket and people took on a lot more multifaceted approach to working out. So we integrated. We got lucky, I guess, in that sense, too. Great. I love that. So I have a thought experiment for you again, trying to tease out some lessons and tools for people who might be on the early part of the journey. So question, if you were starting a brand new company today, how would you go about What would be your, how would you map out your approach to SEO? If it was my company, like fitness, what I want to do, what I'm doing right now. Yeah, sure. If it was just one of the ones in 2023 today, you're like, this is my 90 day, 90 day plan to start trying to rant. Yeah. I would have started on YouTube sooner. I, we did not capitalize on YouTube right away. We were, I was so blog focused because I was very fortunate. I had seen these food bloggers and I got to know their businesses. And the only reason I probably stuck with it because at three years, you're putting out 80% of your work is putting out new content, which is exhausting and burnout. I'm not making a ton of money yet, maybe a thousand bucks a month, not enough to what I had thought I would be making at that time. But really, there's a sweet spot with Google where you put out so much content. You have to put out so much content like this blogging game. People think I'm just going to start a blog and I'm seeing all these people on TikTok and on Instagram. They're just like blowing up. It's, no one's true. I don't know. There are overnight success stories, but really there's a content like you got to you got to put out the content for three years consecutively, consistently, or really build that domain authority to get that SEO recognition, all these things. And so that three-year mark is when everybody wants to quit. And it's when I wanted to quit. But I knew I saw like what these people ahead of me had done and how they monetized. And I was like, if I can just hang in this for that fourth year, that's when it really starts to turn. Your ad revenue goes from 1000 a month to 5000 a month. And then year five, it goes to 10000 Like it just, I saw the progress. I saw what they had done. So that's what kept me motivated and kept me coming back for more. <laughs> One, I would probably buy a blog who's about <laughs> entrepreneurial aspects. I'm looking for blogs for people who are like burnt out at that three-year mark. I'd probably buy a blog that has some decent content and I would restructure it all with everything I know about SEO and start turning it into a profit. But if I was just starting from scratch, like right now, I would have taken advantage of YouTube sooner. We were just like using YouTube as just uploading videos. I knew nothing about it. And YouTube is currently our fastest growing revenue stream because I've finally have really dove into it. I've learned about it. YouTube is amazing when you dive into it and how fast you can monetize because you only, you can, within a year, you could accumulate. It takes a lot longer to accumulate the SEO and the blog revenue. Within a year, you can be monetizing on YouTube. You can, if you're putting out consistent content, you can get those views. You can start monetizing. You could start doing sponsored content. You can offer a YouTube membership program. Like you can just, you got to build the following, but people are monetizing on YouTube a lot faster. So I would have started YouTube a lot sooner. I love that. 
when you were talking about different approaches for titling on Google versus YouTube, I've heard TubeBuddy thrown around a lot as a tool, but I'm curious for you, what what does your process look like for naming YouTube videos? How are you deciding that? Is it just searching and finding similar videos that have blown up and using similar titles? How do you go about that? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. So TubeBuddy is a tool we do use, and then it is just kind of like typing into the YouTube search, like what are people searching? And looking at videos that have higher views and like what they titled them, descriptions, getting inspiration from other people. We use that a lot for thumbnails too, because what I've learned is really, we were, I think we have awesome content, but our thumbnails stunk just like flat out. So you can have really great content and a crummy thumbnail and no one's going to click on it. And then other people who had these amazing thumbnails, I was clicking into their videos and I'm like, their video stinks. Like the audio is terrible. The music is, the thumbnail is awesome. And they're getting way more views. So thumbnails are really big. And actually this year, YouTube is going to roll out A-B testing thumbnails. So you can actually upload two thumbnails at a time. They'll A-B test it for you and they'll pick the one that's performing better. So that's a cool new feature rolling out on YouTube. But yeah, the we how we title it differently. So there's Google Trends, the tool Google Trends, totally free. You can just type in googletrends.com. And it'll take you to Google Trends. And then you can select web search Google Trends and YouTube search Google Trends. And they're different. So what's spiking on Google versus what's spiking on YouTube is different at different times, right? So right now, arm workouts, ab workouts, it's summertime. Those workouts are really getting higher traffic, higher volume traffic. That daily ab workout, like I said, just did, boom, just turned up for us a notch. It was a combination of hitting a YouTube trend with, so we'll use that stuff too. And then we'll look like there are certain things you kind of have to stay true to yourself too. Like people, no repeat workouts are just like crushing right now. People love a no repeat workout because they only have to do each move once. But like from a trainer perspective, I know in my heart, those are not good workouts. They don't get people results. You really should do exercise more than once. You need the reps. You have to work muscle to fatigue. So it's like we could jump on this trend and we have a couple of times. We filmed a couple of them, but like truly I'm like, this is a terrible way to work out. So it's a combination of sure. sticking true like what you want to and then trying to find those trends too love that i feel like even in there there's even a third option of talk on the trend with them differentiate here's what you can do and also here's why this is not the right way to go about it give them what they think they want pivot give them the value yes 100 percent. yeah and it's just it's funny to see like people the thumbnails it's like that close-up face shot people like to see you in pain like eight best tricep exercises like squinchy face thumbnails are thumbnails and titling are really so important have you messed around with I, i've been seeing i follow a lot of ai accounts like people are doing really cool stuff with ai business and those guys their thumbnails i can tell what they're doing i don't know what tool they're using but they're definitely like repurposing images of them but then how the AI spit out these really cool thumbnails that are definitely like their essence, but definitely not real photos. And there's something about that is just really cool and interesting. Yeah, I know the tool too. I think it's like Luminar or something like that. It's like there, there's a Colin and Samir. They have a Colin and Samir. They have a YouTube channel. It's for creators. And they just did like a YouTube video on that, like what tools they use to create their thumbnails. And it is like an AI generated. It pulls in the background. It's really cool. It is crazy cool. It's not something we've explored right now. We are sticking true to, it's just workouts. So it's a lot easier to have, we're not jumping out of an airplane or doing anything crazy cool like that. So like people want to know like a clean, clear title, but we're pulling out like no pushups, no lunges, or like 100 pushups or no burpees. Like people like those kind of things that just like jump, like I want to do an all standing workout. All standing workouts have become really big. People want Mm -hmm. all, they don't want to go to the floor. They don't want to plank. They don't want to crunch. So just pulling out those poppy things for sure. 
are important in our thumbnails. All of that. Another just curiosity question is I'm hearing you talk about how you're systematizing your content. How is your shooting process evolved over time? Because I imagine it's probably a combination of quality, like you want to have really great audio, visual, but also you don't want to be overburdened with so much stuff going on. So what have you found has been really essential versus where are you just trying to be efficient in the process? Yeah. So we're, we try to be super efficient. Unfortunately, it's a little bit taxing physically because we do film workout videos. So we have shoot days one to two times a month, like big full production where my video team comes in, they set up the lighting and they're, they have two cameras, they're filming us and they're managing the audio too. So we, as we've grown, when I first started, it was like me shooting on my iPhone, no mic. And we still, it's to that point, to people who are like just getting started, you guys find most popular video with over 2 million views is me on my iPhone, no mic, like filming eight best diastasis recti exercises, which is what happens when your abs separate after pregnancy. But literally just me and my iPhone are most popular video. So in the workout space, it's unique because people somewhat care about the quality, but they want a good workout. So people will come back and do our live workouts that are like crappy because we keep the lives pretty organic. And it's, if it's a little bit spotty or the audio isn't the best, it's a live workout. Like we're just here to have fun. They're like fun for us. And so people come back to those and keep doing them. They're some of people's favorite workouts. And then we have our more like full production content. Like we're filming the five best quad exercises for Google. This needs to be a good quality video. So we do a full production shoot where we film like we are filming from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So we're knocking out like five workouts in a day. So it's physically exhausting and trying to figure out a better solution. But it's like financially will only make sense because I have to pay a videographer and pay for all this stuff, right? So we have that. We have like our big high production paid content. And then, like I said, we have our live content. Going live on YouTube has been huge for us. People love just like that live interaction. Those are some of our top earning content. So people are coming back to it. They're dropping super thanks on it. People are just donating to these videos saying thanks for showing up and going live with us. So there's some of our top earning content is just going live. And it's like, we just show up. There's no lights. There's no audio. It's just raw content. So I think a combination of both is definitely finding what works for you. But we found that combination of the high production and then just showing up live too. I love that. Hearing you shoot, it sounds like you guys have a pretty strong community sense, like cross-platform. People are really excited about the brand. Yeah, we've really like built a community of women. And then people, our biggest problem for SEO is that people are typing in Nourish Move Love. So when people are coming back to our workouts, they've done a workout and then they type in Nourish Move Love ab workout or Nourish Move Love leg workout. It's like, we don't want people typing that in because that means they already know us, right? Like those are our highest search queries. People already know us and they're coming back. We want our highest search queries to be someone finding us organically through daily ab workout. So we have a lot of repeat people, but that's great. It means we're keeping our audience. We're just trying to continually get those new eyeballs. But yeah, we have a really big sense of community, which is why we decided to launch a YouTube community which for an actual paid community in March this year, it was our first ever paid offer, but people were just asking for more and it's been super successful for us. So I'm really glad we did it. And it allows us to have even more of a community where we go live to them. We give them early access to videos. We do more Q and A's. You get more behind the scenes. People just love that behind the scenes content. Yeah. That's such a trend these days. We're in this digital world throughout COVID. People are a little more detached, but it's never been easier. Like, this whole thing of podcasting too, you start to feel connected to the people of the podcast you watch. And it's just this like inherent thing of this like yearning for connection and yearning for depth with people. That's really cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'm curious. I haven't, I've explored your content enough to go. I definitely want to pick your brain and just understand how you built your company. But I'm curious, 
to know. So obviously, so much of what you do is just like, where's the opportunity to add value and then delivering that value? So clearly, you guys are hitting that mark of Nurse Love is a company that can help me understand these things that I'm trying to improve in my life. Is a lot of what you build, what percentage of what you build is personal brand based? Is there like a big Lindsay component to it or does that brand itself almost operate independently? Yeah, it's been an interesting thing that's like, still evolving as we go it is i'm the main like trainer and then i have my assistant rachel who is in all the videos with me now as a modifier which people love so there's modifications because it runs at a different fitness level so we're trying to make fitness free and accessible to everybody so we have a modifier in the video with me which is really awesome so i have a team of so it's me and then there's three women who work for me so i have rachel who's been with me for six years megan who's been with us for two years and caroline who just started at the beginning of this year so slowly building out our team and it's been really fun and while they are involved if people know everyone has a role on the team it is still mostly i am the face of the brand in the sense that i'm the lead trainer the, i write the workouts like i am the one who's certified all the workouts are coming from me but i it's this song and dance i should try to say i've really tried to not separate but this is my business and i treat it as such like i said this is my business and it's become hard because we're in such a time of like transparency and all these things and so when there's social unrest or when you know something big happens in the world people like want me to jump on and take a stand it's like it's really hard. i'm trying to take this in like you get this is my business like walgreens isn't jumping on right now and making a statement like this is my business i try to separate my business from my personal life a little bit. And I do bring them into my personal life a little bit. I'll show them my kids. I want people to know, like, I'm just a mom from Minnesota who found a passion that I really love. And there's nothing crazy fancy about me and what makes me different. And I think that's one of the biggest things that makes our content so popular is it is relatable. Like, I'm just just a normal mom. I don't have plastic surgery all over. I'm just working out my clothes at home. Like, it's just me. And so I think our content is relatable, but I'm also trying to separate. People will ask, when we moved into a new home for a home tour, people have asked for my birth stories. Those are just things I've chosen not to. Some people will share, but I've, this is my business and I want to share something with these guys. I, I love my community. I think they're amazing. I'm so grateful for them. But also, like, I need to protect my personal space too and, and just that relationship with people. Like, at the end of the day, in the beginning of my business, something I really struggled with, I was giving everything to my business. I think every entrepreneur does, right? And I'd be in every car ride, everything my husband would be driving, it constantly working, it constantly on my phone, answering messages to people. And it started impacting my family dynamic, my family relationship. And there had to be a point where I said, at what point did these strangers on the internet become more important than these five amazing people around me that I call my family? And so really like drawing that line in the sand, like, nope, I work every fourth weekend. My team is on every, I have week, some weekends off. There are some weekends I do work, but there has to be a division because as an entrepreneur, you'll I've given my whole life to this company. And for the first time, I'm eight years in, I finally had to step back because it was taking over my life, social media, all these things. Everyone wants more content. Everyone wants more you. Everyone wants more. And it was impacting my marriage. It was impacting my family dynamic, impacting, I never want my kids to just see mom working all the time. And so for the first time I said, this needs to stop. I'm a mom for, I'm a wife first, a mom second, a business owner somewhere down the line. And so I've tried to step back and really create a division between my business and my personal life. I love that. Yeah, I think that is a big challenge for so many entrepreneurs. It's tough. It's tricky. Like, even if you want to build something that is completely separate, 
almost every sign points to use social media and build a personal brand as a way to leverage that. It just seems like something that makes so much logical sense in many ways. And I've seen it firsthand. My girlfriend has a similar business to what, business style to what you do. And I see it too. It's really hard when there's so many people reaching out to you, commenting, engaging, to be able to turn it off and flip that switch, especially it's one thing that I sent boundaries with social media when it's just a tool to blow out steam, but it's when that's the moneymaker, it's so easy to convince yourself to just stay on and be always on. I'm curious, are there any more like kind of practical things that you've done to even change your relationship with social media on a daily basis? Is it, oh, I'm allowed to use my, I'm allowed to be on it from these hours. Do you have a strict cutoff time or have you just gotten more intuitive about, okay, and now it's just family time, phone goes away, something like that. Yeah, really trying to time block my schedule. So Time blocking, like we do a social media clean out in the morning, lunchtime, right before I log off. And then a lot of times I've tried to cut this out, but it just at the end of the night before I go to bed, cleaning it out. Um, so I have a clean inbox to wake up to in the morning. But it, like you said, it can be so overwhelming. But one of the main strategies is just like Instagram stories. People can comment back. We've just turned that off. And it's a big bummer because we just launched a program and we're like, okay, let's turn it back on because we know engagement will go up. Views will go up. This all goes up. But we just turn that off. And I do specifically turn it off now. So we turn it off on the weekends. I've turned it off on all my maternity leaves. But if you turn off, like people can't comment back to your story. It really did start to whittle down our DMs. So that was really helpful. And then we do rotate. So I'm very fortunate. My team has grown. So I have a team. There's four of us total now. So we rotate. So someone's on every weekend. So you get every third weekend. So I'm only on once every fourth weekend. So I have three weekends off. I'm on one weekend. So that's really helpful for me. And then I'm, as soon as I'm trying to create that separation, as soon as my kids get home or I'm going to pick up my kids, I just put my phone away and I'm just trying to be completely off my phone between the hours of 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. when my kids go to bed and just totally be present with them and cook dinner and all those things. But yeah, it's hard, hard balance when, like you said, like it's not only this is my business, it's like this is what generates revenue for me. And there are times where there's a weekend or an evening where I have a sponsored post that has to go live. I, I have this relationship with the brand. They want it to go live at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, whatever it is. There's always exceptions and there are things that have to get done. But really trying to just draw that line in the sand of enough is, a, like I said, for me, it really hit home when I think, I don't know if I read it somewhere, but it was like, when did these strangers on the internet, like I love, like I said, I love my community. But at, the same, at the end of the day, I love my family more. When do these people become more important than these people that are watching me every day? I am an influencer, but the main person I'm influencing is my little three little babies that are following me around. And that's why I care about influencing more than anybody else. And so it's just, yeah, as I've grown it, and even I've had those painful moments where my son has said to me, mom, get off your phone or mom, why are you always working? Or mommy's always working. And if anything will cut you deeper, it's that. And so that's what, those are the moments that have really forced me to look at my schedule and my priorities and be like, nope, it's finally time that I put my kids, like they're number one, I'm logged off between these hours. I'm going part-time for summer because I want two days at home with them. And that's the whole reason all of us become entrepreneurs, right? You want flexibility. You, I wanted to design my life. I wanted to be home with my kids when I needed to be on a sick day or whatever that was. But as you work harder than you've ever worked in your life, every entrepreneur quits at nine to five to work 24 hours a day. And it's hard to, because you know that the harder you work, the more the income goes up or it's, it's all related. But at some point, your time is the most valuable resource. I love that. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of entrepreneurs may start when they're younger, single, 
whatever have more bandwidth and it makes sense and it's early days and you have the capacity but i think like pretty much all habits and patterns in our life it, it takes that hard painful experience to just have you look in the mirror and look at yourself and just decide what's a priority so i think a lot of people can really resonate with that decision yeah very cool man i had something i wanted to ask you about oh okay so one theme that i've noticed a lot with my entrepreneur friends and people around me is really the journey of, okay, I'm really excited about this thing. I know I have a lot of balance to add, maybe my audience starts growing, but it feels like there's this inflection point that can be really painful and ultimately actually be the breakthrough to a lot of success, which is like being willing to step back and not feel like the need to do everything and like really learning how to be the CEO of your business rather than just the octopus that does all things. I'm curious, is that something you've experienced? And if so, how have you navigated that journey? it seems like you mentioned you're four team members. So I feel like you have advanced on that journey by yourself. For sure. And every time, even when I had my first team member, Rachel, who's been with me the longest, I was still doing, teaching 15 workout classes a week. I was modeling cat bracelets at 2 a.m. on Shop HQ so I could pay her. <laughs> and so every time when you're early, in your, it's so painful to outsource anything or to hire anybody hire a contractor to hire anybody because one, it's really scary. You have to pay them. <laughs> Two, you have to be able to pay them. Two, they're never going to do it the way you're going to do it. They're going to do it differently. And that's hard for someone like me who's a control freak. This is my baby. I have poured so many early mornings, late nights, weekends, you name it into this business. And to have somebody else step in and do it not my way is was hard, very hard for me. But I had a conversation with an entrepreneur, a friend, good friend of mine. She owned the business. And I was like, how are you doing it? You're like, you know, going to Cabo for a month. You're staying home with your kids. I don't understand how you're running. And she said, my dad, I watched him throughout his whole entrepreneurial journey and he never hired anybody. And he worked every night, worked every weekend, missed a lot of my sports events. He had a very successful business, but it was always just him. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never wanted to build my business around me. I wanted to hire people who are more successful than me so I could step or who could do things better than I could or could manage the business so I could step away and live a life too. That's the whole reason we all want to be entrepreneurs, right? And so I was like, that really resonated with me. And I was like, man, I have just been hoarding the work and hoarding everything and it has to be done my way. And then finally, I've always wanted to go part-time. That's been like the biggest goal of mine since I've started this business so I could be with my kids. And my oldest kid is six years old and he's, I've never been part-time throughout his whole life. And it was because I wasn't putting the people in the right places. I wasn't putting people on the bus with me. And having that kind of realization, and then obviously it was growing as at a point in my business where I financially I was a little bit more secure. Every time I hired, I held my breath. It felt like a huge risk. I just hired one more person at the beginning of January. Huge risk, but I've gotten smarter. I'm like, okay, how do we make this? How do we make their salary? We take on another revenue stream. We have to increase affiliate revenue by 15% month over month in order to pay for you. I have to bring on one more brand sponsor. You're going to manage that. So it takes the work off my plate, but yet we're bringing in more revenue. And my person I hired in January has already paid for themselves. Mm -hmm. We're six months in. They've already paid for themselves. And so every time I brought someone on, it's already, they've paid off so much. So strategically building your team. Now we're very happy. There's a team of us. We're small. I don't know if I'll ever grow bigger than our little team of four. But strategically putting people in place was so big for me. But the biggest thing was I had to learn to let go. A lot of things walked done the way I wanted to. Honestly, the biggest blessings to my business were maternity leaves because I never, as an entrepreneur, had a real maternity leave, but I was forced in those moments to step back because I could no longer do everything. I just had a baby. I had to be, you know, a little bit more 
had to learn how to manage a baby and a business. And that forced me to just be like, that's good enough. It's done. It's fine. Send it into the world. It didn't have to have every millimeter checklist, but I also forced my team to build those checklists so they could operate on their own, force us to document things. This is how we do things. We're going to take a video of this. So everybody on the team knows how to do the blog post. Here's our checklist. Before you hit publish, hit all these boxes. Then I don't have to touch it. Everybody on the team should be touching things once. If we're all touching things seven times, that's a waste of time. It's not efficient. And so getting into that mentality of like, touch it once, get it done. The touch it once thing really helped me stop checking my email at night. Don't check it if you're not going to respond to it right now. That's a waste of time. Yeah, I love that. SOP things out, track everything to KPIs. And yeah, that's great. It's just like reverse engineer, right? If we want to play this person on, it needs to generate this much revenue. Here's how that person can influence revenue. So you're not just having a bloated team that's just doing busy work or your mar margins are cut smaller. Just like making sure yeah. everyone's doing revenue driving work as well. And people that want to work for a small business want to own that they want to own. So everybody on my team owns something. Someone owns social media. Someone owns SEO and keyword research and republishes. Someone owns thumbnails and YouTube shorts and how they're performing. So you guys are all responsible for these things. And once you're responsible for something, you're more vested in it. And once you're more vested in it, you're held to a certain revenue threshold. We need to generate this much revenue on, on YouTube. We need to generate this much revenue with affiliates. Now you're responsible for that and your job depends on it. Yeah, I love that. Lindsay, thank you so much. This has been a really valuable conversation. I'm so glad we got to nerd out and get deep into the weeds on SEO and all these different practices and tactics. One more time to the audience, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your company, see some of your free resources? Yeah, where are you at? Absolutely. We are nourishmovelove.com. And then across social, Instagram, YouTube, nourishmovelove. Perfect. Easy as that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I learned a ton and I know our audience too as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me.